I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer and try Peloton risk-free with Peloton Rentals at OnePeloton.com slash bike slash rentals. Hello, my name is Gary Mansfield and this is the Ministry of Arts podcast where each week I'll be speaking to a different artist. Now let's begin by bagging these bongos. Hello and welcome to episode 179 of the Ministry of Arts podcast. Well this week the Ministry of Arts podcast is partnering with the Talented Art Fair which is coming up at Brighton Racecourse this weekend which is Friday the 1st, Saturday the 2nd and Sunday the 3rd of July. It is a ticketed event and you can get the tickets either on their website which is talentedartfair.com or their Instagram page which is Talented Art Fair. And I'm aware that some tickets are available on the door. There's around about 100 artists showing and we're going to be there promoting the Ministry of Arts podcast. So please do come down and say hello. In this episode I'll be speaking to two people. The first is Oliver Norris, the founder of the Talented Art Fair. He'll be giving us a brief history of the art fair itself and what you can expect if you visit. And once we've had that introduction from Oliver, we'll go straight into one of his artists, Paul Yule. Paul is a South African-born sculptor, photographer and filmmaker who lives in the UK. He's had an extensive career in photography and filmmaking and only recently turned his hand to sculpture for reasons that you'll find out in this podcast. I won't say any more because I don't really want to give too much away. So I think I'll just let the guests do the talking. So please come and join me when I spoke to Oliver Norris from the Talented Art Fair and sculptor Paul Yule. Today I'm speaking to one of the founders of the Talented Art Fair, Oliver Norris. Hi Oliver. <laughs> Good morning Gary. So we're here this morning to talk about the Talented Art Fair. Could you let me know how it started, who started it? Well it, it was born from four or five years of doing the New Artist Fair, which we started in 2011. So the New Artist Fair was all about um, giving new artists a platform to showcase their work outside yeah. of the gallery environment. 
And then after maybe four years, five years, a lot of those artists started getting signed by galleries and moving on to doing their own solo shows and things like that. So they didn't really want to be classified as new artists anymore. Yeah. So we introduced the talented art fair and that was for 80 or so artists who had just moved up that little bit of a art career ladder, yeah. if you like. And uh, that was how that was, um, that became very popular. Well, well, COVID coming just as all yeah. of the art fairs started That's right. Yeah. Up at, the, at the start of March. And I know that the affordable art fair just scraped in yeah, weekend, we, we did as they? well at Truman wow. Bureau and Talented. And uh, yeah, two weeks later, it was full lockdown. Brilliant. So we did miss a year. So this would be the sixth uh, edition, but it's the fifth because we missed the year because of COVID. Excellent. When you founded the Talented Art Fair, who was it? Was it you and... Leah Michelle is my partner. We founded the New Artist Fair together. We're Lemon Arts. So Leah Michelle is the L-E-M. Oh, of course. And Oliver Norris is the O-N of Lemon. So we Splendid. are Lemon Arts. Yeah, so that's a mnemonic of our names. And uh, we co-founded both events together, Talented Art Fair and originally the New Artist Fair. So instead of doing two New Artist Fairs a year, we, we now do one um, New Artist Fair and one Talented Art Fair. Brilliant. And what is your art history, Oliver? Well, my mum was an art teacher and my sister became uh, a bit of an artist as well. My first uh, art book my mum bought me as a kid was Dada and Surrealism. Yeah. So I, was, oh, wow. I, was, I was hooked on, on yeah. the art world and I was taken to galleries and all the rest of it. And then I married an artist. My dad's also a ceramic artist. Oh, wow. My degree was in business. So, and I'm not that brilliant with the paintbrush. So it kind of made sense that I would be the organizer. And then my wife and my parents and my sister who have all exhibited in our events. Brilliant take part so yeah we're kind of an arty family always have been excellent and leah she's got her masters from the um courthold in 2010 okay. and it was after that that we decided you know you've done your degree you've done your masters um who has seen your paintings what do we do now do we go around to all the galleries with a portfolio which was how it was done this was before facebook um and we said i said you know let, let's try and do our own event so we did a trial run and uh, she sold some paintings over half of the artists there's only 20 of them yeah over half of them made sales and we thought you know we did that off the back of a free gum tree advert so, <laughs> oh, brilliant facebook started to come in around to the uk around that sort of time 2012 yeah and uh, we said you know it, it worked we made a 48 pounds profit from the event <laughs> properly yeah so but wow. yes yeah, she's an artist she's uh, represented by two or three galleries in London and outside of London and showcases her work at all of our events. So it's nice that the other artists can see that we also have some skin in the game. Yeah, we of course. Be successful and well attended. We're not just selling stands and leaving them to it. Saying that your first one was started via an ad in Gumtree, that's yeah. quite humble backgrounds for a uh, an art fair to have started from, isn't it? Yeah, well, we, we didn't have any money. Leah was fresh out of college and I was paying all my own bills and we, we went over to the Truman Brewery and had a nice chat with them. And they, they showed us this little gallery space that yeah. was kind of leaking and it had a single toilet. And it was at the end of uh, the road where they're based now. And they said, you know, you can have this for the weekend for a small amount of money. So we, we got together the, the 20 artists and divided all the, 
the cost up so it was everyone paid the same amount oh, nice showcase but it was quite affordable and uh surprisingly busy that's that well that's exactly what you're after isn't it yeah yeah it was a collective event you know everyone helped out with the flyering and getting all of their colleagues and anyone that might want to buy a painting to come along and that's what we continue to encourage now that's the makings of a very exciting atmosphere isn't it when everyone has to roll their sleeves up and make something out of nothing yeah exactly and it's changed since it has that we we used to do the the private view on the thursday night i don't know if you remember but east london everyone used to go out on the thursday and there'd be free drinks at every event so we tied into that and bought you know about 100 bottles of wine and yeah it was very well attended now you've grown from a rundown space in the Truman Brewery to Brighton Racecourse in 2022. Yep. Tell us about what's happening at Brighton. Well, Brighton Racecourse, we did hold an event there, a joint event with another organisation for Sussex Art Fairs, and it went very well, despite the fact that, I say it went very well, it would have been better. The weather was terrible, and um, we've learned a lot about the Brighton area and how to market the event to yeah. the residents of Brighton and how important it is to get the signs up. And it's a very well populated area, but it it's spread out. We're not allowed to put signs up in, in London, but we are in Brighton. So oh, wow. Okay. We're trying to get as many, uh, you know, anyone along that's interested in the arts or wants to meet the artist or wants to start their collection or add to their collection. And the, the good thing about somewhere like Brighton Racecourse is the venue itself is very um, welcoming. Yeah. You need to get to by car or you can walk there. It's um, dog friendly, child friendly. The amenities are very good. We've got a bar, we've got a cafe, it's wheelchair access. So everything's there set up where we live in um, Surrey, we're kind of equidistant between Brick Lane and Brighton Racecourse. <laughs> oh, so one hour we're we're in East London yeah. at Brewery, and then in the other hour, in the other direction, we're down at Brighton. The great thing with the racecourses is they are built for thousands of people, aren't they? So exactly. everything is is ideal for for the visitor. It is, and it, it's it's in the summer it stays nice and uh, cool in there because it's very well. Um, shaded and uh, in the winter it's nice and warm because they've got central heating and carpeting and excellent well the talented art fair this year is showing friday the first saturday the second and sunday the third of july it's ticket only how do people get the tickets well on our bio on our instagram bio we've got the link there we've got a bitly link so you just tap on that and it goes straight through to eventbrite so you can get to Eventbrite online or through our website on our front page and some of our other pages. It's got the little box there for tickets. Yeah. Or you can come and uh, pay on the door. That's fine as well. And how much are the tickets, Oliver? And the private view is £12. So you get a chance to see all of the uh, artwork before it starts flying off the walls. Um, and then general um, public over the Saturday and Sunday, it's £6. And how many artists are showing? We've got about 100 artists. Some of them, wow. are, we've got a couple of gallery stands. So there's a lot of artists represented yeah. there. Lemon Art, we have our own stand. Or of we've got course. Stands actually, we've got about 10 artists. So yeah, there's a, approximately 100 artists of all different styles and genres. That's our job to uh, give the general public a real variety of work. And after sort of pretty much two years of lockdown, 
you know, big events like this are, are, are joyful things, aren't they? Yeah, it's really starting to get back to normal, um, especially with the uh, summer months. We feel they're a lot safer. Yeah. And that's why we chose the first weekend in July so that it's before the school holidays. So all of the families that live in Brighton are still there. Brilliant. You also, you've also got that um, tourist industry that we're tapping into as well. Yeah. Tomorrow I'm down uh, back down at Brighton giving out some flyers with a special discount code to some rather large hotels. Oh, of course. So, you know, it gives them a chance to get out and see a bit of culture and whilst they're on holiday. We're a very inclusive uh, event. So whoever you are, whatever your background, um, if you're a single person or you're a large family or you're just a couple walking their dog, you, you're all welcome. Everyone's welcome. Whether Brilliant. you've got any artwork before or whether you're, you know, an experienced collector, there's something there for everyone. We put a ceiling price of five grand, 5,000 pounds on um, an individual artwork. But most artwork we sell is affordable, really. You know, you yeah. can get a nice original painting for 250 pounds. And uh, our dream really is to get as many houses as possible or homes as possible uh, with some original artwork on the walls. Brilliant. But there are some amazing digital artists you know, some artists like Martin Turner who create photorealism and um, Dan Shipton as well. They, their originals are phenomenal masterpieces, but you yeah. can also buy prints from them and framed prints. So, you know, there are all those different price points so that, you know, there really is something there for everyone. And can people buy from the artist on that day or do they have to order it? They buy directly from the artist. Oh well, so they can walk away with a can, with an artwork under their can. arm, as it were. They can. One of our one of our amazing artists, he's a, a digital artist, um, Andy Walker. You will you would order from him, okay. but there are there are also some artworks on on his stand that you could take away as well. But he he'll provide you know a real variety of sizes. So one of his images, for example, you can buy that in several different. Um, mediums and sizes yeah. oh wow yeah so if if someone wants to buy an artwork what do they do do they buy it through the artist or do they have to go to a paying station most artists have their own payment system now that way okay. they keep all of the uh funds as well they keep 100 percent of the sale oh, wow price. so we're not in the business to try and take money off the artists we're here to promote them and get them uh, as much as possible however some artists really don't want to deal with uh, making payments and taking funds. So if an artist doesn't have their own payments machine, then they can just come to the Lemon Art Stand and we'll take the payment on their behalf. Oh, brilliant. So it's a win-win all round. I think so. That's what we're trying to achieve here. Something that everybody gains from. Excellent. And a good thing with art fairs that I've seen, some people are a bit intimidated to go into an art gallery. If uh, four white walls can be a bit intimidating. But an art fair is totally different atmosphere, isn't it? It really is. I'm one of those people that also, when I walk into a gallery, um, I sometimes feel intimidated or, you know, I might have my jeans and my cap on and people look at you as if you're like, <laughs> yeah. an artwork. But we do collect art. We are art collectors. But yeah, you don't really get that judgy kind of feel at art fairs it's much more uh, friendly and approachable and you're really there to meet the artist or to you know you get your free brochure as you walk through the door and then you find what you want to go and look at what appeals to you not everyone wants landscapes or seascapes yeah. but some people you know they're looking for something original and unique 
the artists are there to meet people. They're there to talk about their work and uh, show what they've done and what inspires them. So yeah, I think it generally is much more welcoming than how some uh, galleries have been in the past. Not all galleries are unfriendly or anything like that. <laughs> no, but it's that, it's that intimidating I, I atmosphere. And with over 100 artists, there's going to be an artwork for everyone for every size of pocket, isn't there? Yes, from £50 to £5,000. Brilliant. So if you just tell us again, Oliver. Talented Art Fair, the 1st of July, from 5pm till 9pm, which is the Friday evening. Everyone welcome. You do need a ticket. Uh, if you contact one of the artists who you like in particular, they might be able to get a free ticket for you. Brilliant. So that's a little tip. Then we're open all weekend, 11 a.m. Saturday morning till 6 p.m. Saturday evening. And then Sunday, 11 a.m. start again. But we finish an hour earlier on Sunday just because um, people like to get away a bit earlier on Sundays. Excellent. Well, the Ministry of Arts podcast will be promoting their podcast there. So I look forward to meeting you in person Fantastic. and enjoying the atmosphere of the Talented Art Fair. Fantastic. Thanks, Gary. Look forward to seeing you. See you then. See Thanks. you later. Bye-bye. Well, there you have it. That was Oliver Norris from the Talented Art Fair. If you wasn't able to write down the information for the Talented Art Fair, I'll be mentioning it again at the end of this podcast, or you can find the information in the show notes. But until then, let me introduce you to sculptor, photographer and filmmaker, Paul Yule. There's a few questions that I ask each artist. And the first being, how would you explain what you do to someone that doesn't know your work? Right. Well, I I make uh, small sculptures in out of clay, um, which I uh, you know they are they're they're figurative. Um, I've the, the exhibitions which I've had have been called um, some. I've I've had three. Um, you know, the first one was called Demons. Uh, the second one, totems, and the third one, spirits. They're sort of, they're, they're these strange uh, figures which I con conjure up. I'm not quite sure where they come from. Somewhere in my unconscious, really, and um, sort of heads mostly, or 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 torsos. Um, they're about, the largest of them is about six inches high. But what I then do is to, after I fire them and, and, uh, and sometimes glaze them, sometimes not, I, I photograph them and print them extremely large. I mean, I'm talking A0, which is- Oh, wow, good. About one meter by more than a meter, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, those, uh, you know, and, and then those are the objects which which get sold mostly, these large photographs. I mean, a, a small six-inch figure made from mm. clay and a image of that figure at a metre, they've got vastly different languages. Yes, they are. I mean, I come, my, my background is in photography and filmmaking. That's where I come from. That's why I've gone down this kind of photographic route. And also it's a way of um, it's a way of me sort of responding to these creatures once I've, I've <laughs> creatures brought them to life, you know. 
Yeah, I love it that you call them creatures. So, so you do just do you start off with a ball of clay, and then just start manipulating it, and a figure comes out as you're working with it, or do you have a a rough idea to to what it's going to come out as? You know, I I I start from I I try to put myself kind of emotionally and conceptually into the into the clay before I begin. I oh, mean, I yeah. take a ball of clay and start to just kind of uh, almost psychically kind of put myself into. I mean, I need to manipulate it in any case to get. Uh, um to avoid the thing exploding at the point when it uh, <laughs> yeah, when yeah. we fire it but um but they're not all that large so it's that's that's not such a important thing but after that i just begin to sort of uh, respond to it i'll 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 kind of look at it and something starts to emerge and i'll kind of work on that and work on it it's very much like um Get up to 30% off wedding jewelry at BlueNile.com and remember the joy of your wedding day forever. Blue Nile offers everything from diamond and lab-grown diamond wedding bands to classic pearls, earrings you can design yourself, even gorgeous sapphire pieces for your something blue. Whatever you choose, Blue Nile's pieces are all graded for excellence, for a lasting memento as brilliant as the love that inspired it. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer and try Peloton risk-free with Peloton Rentals at OnePeloton.com slash bike slash rentals. It's, it's quite similar to drawing in a way, other than that you can completely erase a, a line, which you never yeah. can a, a pencil mark, you know. Um, and I carry on at a certain point, it just seems finished. And I'm not sure they... Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm never quite sure what they are until it's some, you know, a day or two later when I, I kind of look at them kind of properly or have the opportunity or after they've been fired even. Then there's another whole process if I begin to paint them and, and enamel them. It's as if the figure has got a life of its own and it ends up telling you what it is. You yeah. have to wait for the answer, you know. I want it to breathe life into me as much as I breathe life into it. Yeah, I totally get that. When you say that you that the figure sort of comes out of the clay, if you like, mm. oh, that reminds me of an artist we had on here some time ago, Adam Riches. He's a painter. Um, and when he does his drawings, he holds the pen at the opposite end, just rests it on the paper and just starts whirling the pen around and then... Um, a figure forms from these scribbles and it's almost as if it's just coming from his subconscious down his arm onto the paper, you know? Yeah. Um, well, you know, there's a there's a, a long and noble tradition of this. I mean, the surrealists obviously were very interested in unconscious, well, unconscious impulses. And, um, you know, unconscious writing, they would call it the surrealist writers and the surrealist painters, the you know, did the same kind of thing. It's uh, to open open something on the 
on the inside, which is not um, necessarily conscious, which is why they come. I mean, they they look like. Um, I mean, many of them are sort of archetypal figures, you know, yeah. they're uh, demons. I mean, they've, they've definitely got little bits of personality because some of them look like they're in agony. Some of them look like they're in hysterics. You yeah. know, they've, they've got their own sort of personality that, that does come out of them, that's for sure. Very much so. And they are very much about it, uh, expressing um, kind of deep feeling. Um, and do you think that's emitted from you, Paul, from your hands into the clay, as you're at what you're feeling at that time? Do you think? Very much so. I think yeah. so. I mean, I'll tell you how these how these came ab about because my, as I say, my my, uh, you know, I've spent my my life as a as a as a photographer and as a um, as an, as a filmmaker not uh, doing sculpture not by any not by any stretch that sort of thing no i mean i was on the i was in the graphic arts but i you know as a, as a photographer and filmmaker about just more a little bit more than a year ago actually my my son very died very tragically oh, and um it came out of that he, he used to go to an art um he he was a, an artist studied at Central St. Martin, so he was a great artist, actually. And uh, he uh, he used to go to a do some ceramic work, and I went to the person who used to run a, a, a class, which is a sort of facility, yeah. uh, which he used to go to. And she turned out to actually to be an art therapist. But she put into my hands a ball of clay and said, well, tr try this. And uh, it very, very easily, that thing kind of, I, I turned it into this kind of uh, extremely expressive head. And uh, the next day I went out and I bought a load of clay. And I've been doing ever since then. I mean, uh, I've been uh, doing this thing. So it's come out of... Uh, a, a, a very um you know difficult uh place where i needed to express something and that's what these things are and i've i've found actually that you know when i've shown them that um people respond to them in a very direct as a result people seem to respond to them in a very direct way oh that's beautiful so you you first picked up the, the clay with with your son in mind if you don't mind me just jumping yeah. into your personal life yeah. a second it, it does feel to me like everything that you produce the foundations of which is is your son beautiful that's true that's absolutely did you have uh, art in the home growing up well you know i had an aunt who was a uh, and cousins who were two of them were painters one was a sculptor actually now i think about it but in a very different kind of way a big I mean large monumental works he, he wow. was doing but yeah I mean I've always been kind of very engaged with the arts and I, obviously I mean I've got lots of I've got lots of friends who are who are artists of one sort or another um it seemed such a natural step for me to take this uh, into this actually I mean I've always drawn uh you know, but um, as an, and as I say, I mean, I found uh, working in clay, which I'd never done before, to be 
very much like drawing, except easier. And, and the creation of kind of expression just seemed so uh, simple and um, uh, and natural for me. I don't know. It's, uh, yeah. Do you it think very... it could have been something to do with a, a sort of lifetime of looking through a lens? Yes, very much so. And I think that the, definitely the way in which I photograph them is, you know, I've, I've, uh, I've made thousands of portraits in my time, you know, photographic portraits, I mean, where I'm trying to, what I'm trying to do is to tell a story, essentially, you know, uh, elicit a kind of truth about somebody through, the, yeah. through a photographic portrait. And I think that that's what these um, sculptures these small maquettes do it's a kind of it I'm trying to elicit create a kind of a truth I mean how did your film and photography life come about I always wanted to be a photographer when I was um I, I was born in South Africa actually and uh we emigrated to England when I was uh, eight and a half uh for political reasons um we had to leave and we in the house which we had it, which we then got in there was a dark room in the attic oh brilliant and a couple of years after we arrived my brother started studying archaeology my older brother who's about 12 years older than me was studying archaeology and uh, they were taught photography and he learned how to use the dark room and a at the same time a cousin left an enlarger in the with us to kind of look after and so we set he and i set up the starkroom and, and i i must have been about uh, 10 or 11. excellent and uh, this darkroom in the attic became a kind of a refuge for me i mean i felt very much like fish out of water when i was uh, first here in the UK and um, anyway I always wanted to be a always wanted to be a photographer and after I, I went to university when I left university I, I became a photographer I took my portfolio around up and down Fl Fleet Street and I became a I just became a, a photojournalist for a bit and then for a newspaper a freelance for many yeah, news yeah. You know, the Sunday Supplement, Sunday Times Magazine, The Observer Magazine, Radio Times and so on. I wanted to write the words really, that's what happened and I, so I, and I became a film. I, I went to Peru uh, actually and uh, came back with this idea of a film that I wanted to make in Peru about a Peruvian photographer called Martin Chambi and someone hooked me up with someone who knew how to make films. My first film actually was for the BBC, was a, a, a film for Arena, which is, was their sort of flagship art strand. I remember. And, yeah, and I, so I sort of jumped off right at the top of the sort of uh, pile in a way. And from then on for the next uh, 30 years or so, I, it just seemed to be like, what it, well, it was just one film after another. Uh, came along all sorts of uh, things, but I've always I always kept going as a photographer too. Did you and, find much of a leap or a void between the static film and the moving image? 
Well, they're very different, actually. They seem to be very simple, uh, very similar. But I think that uh, photography, still photography, is much more difficult than making a film. Yeah, I'm, I know that it seems, uh, it, it might not seem to be the case, but when you're taking a photograph, um, and actually I'm going to show some photographs from some, some of my photojournalism, I'll have some there at Brighton. But when you take a still photograph, you have to understand it, everything that's going on in front of you, and, under, and create it graphically all in one moment. And, yeah. and then th that's it, really. It's kind of like, you know, that thing may then exist on a wall or whatever, or, you know, for a long period of time, for, for a matter of years, it may be, might, might be. You know, you've got to understand. With film, it's very different. You you have the same scene in front of you, but you know there's there is um, there's movement and there's music and there's action and there's color and uh, cutting yeah. the kind of editing process. There's plenty of ways in which you can create. You have to create it in a different way. You're creating a different thing, a bit like creating a sculpture is uh, is you know you're you've got a three-dimensional thing now which you, seems a bit easier really to me than actually just drawing it that's what the difference is uh you of course films are much bigger projects yeah you know i mean i worked out at the beginning you know that i when I was in my early 20s, I needed about 100 jobs a year, you know. Once I started making films, I, I needed one a year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, if, um, you know, with a photographer, you can pretty much live out your rucksack, can't you? As a filmmaker, you've got to have the world and dozens of people around you, haven't you, you know? Well, that's a very interesting thing because I've, I've gone through the complete uh, sort of cycle of it. That's what I thought at the beginning. When I began making films, it was, uh, you know, now the, the, next to me, you know, I've got uh, cameraman, assistant, sound person, often assistant, and another assistant, you know. Five <laughs> the assistant's assistant. It, it, we, Oh, but you needed them all because though yeah. the equipment really large, you've got to carry it around, you've got to drive around from place to place. There's a lot of equipment today. We're shooting on film on 16 millimeter. It's you know, it's 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 big equipment. Time is uh, the amount you've got to be very careful about what it is that you shoot because film stock is really expensive. I mean, yeah. it's uh, you know, it it would cost, and this is way back when about a thousand pounds for ten minutes. That's what it costs. Over time, the kind of technological re revolution means that you don't need any of those people no. anymore. You don't no. need the cameraman or the or the sound person. You know, you're, I'm back to being the the single person I was with my camera, kind of thing. You yeah. know, and of course, uh, the cost is is negligible now. You can shoot for ten hours, and you've got a you've got a chip, or you know it. it you can you can just shoot for ten hours. It yeah. It's not costing you anything, you know. Well, there's even feature films being made on iPhones, isn't there? You know, on iPhones and all of that. And so it's all changed a lot, you know. But it means, of course, that people probably don't look as carefully as we 
I mean, I, I, I grew up through photography where you had to look carefully to get it all right in the single image. And then when I started making films, the film stock and everything was very expensive. So you had to be very careful about what you yeah. shot. And it would cost a lot to edit it. It would take a long time to edit. Now, uh, you shoot a huge amount, people do. And then, I don't know if anyone ever looks at it all. You know, you kind of, uh, you've got this massive problem in editing it. But things change for the better, generally. <laughs> yeah, well, it's evolving. And you can't stop evolution, can you? Yeah, that's it. You're showing at the Talented Art Fair, which yeah. is from the 1st to the 3rd of July at Brighton Racecourse. Do you only show your photography or do you also show, sell your figures? Yeah, I'm going to show the figures as well, or some of them. I've asked for a, you know, I'm going to have a little table in front of the, uh, in front of the stand. What I'm doing is I'm showing probably four large photographs, you know, uh, which are framed gorgeously. They're gorgeous objects, actually. And then uh, I'm going to have um, smaller, smaller photographs, which are, which are sort of mounted, but not, uh, but not framed, which people can look through. And I'll have some of the maquettes on, on plinths which people can um, might choose. I mean, I want people to handle the uh, the sculptures. That's oh, that's the... quite brave. Well, you know, it's awkward because they, you know, they're objects to be, yeah. they yeah. come out by hands and they, feels to me like they need to be handled. And they're quite substantial. I mean, they once they've been fired, they're like pieces of stone. They, they've got a lovely tactile quality as well. as And also when you, handle it you can turn it around look at it from different you know you can see it in a different way possibly to the way in which i photograph yeah but they they will be there and i'll just see how it goes really have you shown a talented art fair before no i haven't no have you I shown it an art fair before well no not really i've shown in galleries before i've been to an art fair but oh, what, is, what, what what is your uh, advice to me enjoy the day it's going to be a great day interacting with with um people who are who are art lovers you know yes the sales I, I, is, it just happens to be a bonus yes i assume that people go there to buy as well as to look do they of course yeah but it's the, it's the best way to buy because you, you're buying direct from the artist it's, it's face to face and you can get that little bit of um that little bit of personality along with your artwork you know i mean i'm yeah. a I'm well aware that you do get a little bit of extra energy from something when you're buying from the yeah. person. You know, it's, it's it's part of that experience comes along with the sale, you know. I'm sure a lot of it is sort of salesmanship, which I, I, I hate doing. But anyway, there we go. Uh, you'll definitely find your own level, Paul. That's for sure. Because you'll get there, you'll have a little bit of trepidation. You'll And then after a few hours, then you'll you will find your level. It's a great atmosphere for the artist because you do become friends with with those around you, you know? Yes, no, I I, I mean, I'll be really interested to see all the other things which are there. Um, I mean, what I've seen posted on, uh, just on Instagram looks interesting. Art fairs are obviously about 
selling. You know, it's about viewing the artwork, but ultimately it's a, it's an art fair. Yeah. Hopefully collectors and buyers want to go there to buy an artwork. And the artists are obviously there to sell. What is the price point of your artwork? You're selling three types. You're selling the figures, the smaller images, and the larger artworks. For the, the smaller photographs, about £150 I'll do them for, uh, up to about, for a framed large ones, is 900 That's nice. Good price. And the figures themselves, I'm not certain what I'm going to sell these figures for. Uh, some I'm feeling I, I would sell for 150 Others I would sell for 850 Do you know where people can find you at the Talented Art Fair? Yeah, I'm going to be on stand 47. Nice. Um, and, yeah, there's I know there's around about 100 artists, so... Um, yeah, you, you're sort of midway through, more or less, aren't you there? Yeah, I hope I'm, I'm you know, I'm going to be in the, uh, what Jeffrey Boycott used to call the Corridor of Uncertainty. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, as a first-time shower, you are going to have the time of your life. I've not met anyone yet who does an art fair for the first time and hasn't really enjoyed it. It's such a good experience. Well, I'm really looking forward to it, and I'm looking forward to um, meeting all the people who've come along. Do come along if you're listening to this. Brilliant, and good luck with all your sales in your, the first day of your art fair. Thanks, Gary. How about that? Two for the price of one. Oliver Norris from the Talented Art Fair, and Paul Yule, one of its showing artists. So this weekend, Friday the 1st of July, Saturday the 2nd of July, and Sunday the 3rd of July, you're getting a triple whammy, if that's such a thing. You've got great art and culture, the beautiful settings of Brighton Racecourse, and it don't get much better than the city of Brighton and Hove, right? So to grab your tickets, go to talentedartfair.com or over on Instagram, Talented Art Fair, and hopefully we'll see you there. Ta-da. Well, hope you enjoyed that episode of the Ministry of Arts podcast. So we wasn't dictated to by advertisers, we decided from the offset to go ad-free, which means obviously we had to self-fund. So we set up the Ministry of Arts Patreon page. And without that support, we would not be able to produce this podcast. So if you like what you hear and you're able to support the podcast, just go over to the Ministry of Arts Instagram profile. You'll find a Linktree drop-down box, which will direct you straight to our Patreon page. And for the price of a cup of coffee, you can help keep us growing week by week. But if you're not able to do that, that's fine because this content is free for everyone. But leaving a review on whichever platform you listen to your podcast, that really does help us get noticed and anyone else looking for an art podcast. Or even giving us a positive shout out on your social media. Everything is appreciated. But either way, thanks for listening. And until next week, ta
Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait, is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.